Thanks for listening to the Velocity Church podcast. We hope that this message encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Now here's the message. Becoming like Jesus in 2024, what does that mean to you when we say that? What does it mean to become more like Jesus in 2024? You know, this is the time of year. How many of you have already set a New Year's resolution of some sort? Some kind of New Year's resolution. Some, some, okay. I've got a few statistics here, right? Some of you are like, nah, man, this ain't the year for me to start any resolutions. Listen to this. So approximately 62% of people will make some sort of New Year's resolution, right? It's just a time of year, which is kind of interesting because it's, you know, it's another year, but it's kind of another day, you know? Like, why not start in December? Why do we wait till January? It's just something that our culture likes to do, right? So 62% of people on average will make some sort of New Year's resolution. Can you guess how many people quit by Valentine's Day? 80%. Oh, the answer's up there. They are. I was like, you guys are mind readers. Wow. 80% quit by Valentine's Day. Can you imagine that? Yeah. I don't know about you. I can imagine that, okay? I'm convinced it's because most people are giving up something like chocolate or candy or something, and then Valentine's Day shows up, and they're like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and eat that chocolate and candy. They quit by Valentine's Day. Only 9% make it through the entire year. 9% of, of the 100. So you couldn't even, you lined up 100 people, nine of them would say, I'm actually going to make it to the end. Here's the big idea what I want to talk about today and really want our focus to be on is this, this point right here. This year will be your best year yet if it's your best year spiritually. 2024 will be your best year if it's your best year spiritually. Now, when I say spiritually, what do I mean? Do I just mean abstract spiritually? No, 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 no. When we say spiritually, we mean Holy Spirit spiritually, right? How many know there's a lot of unholy spirits that want to lead you also? So it's not enough to just be spiritual. We want to be spirit-filled, right? We want to be filled with this Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. But this year will be your best year if it's your best year spiritually. And here's the point and the key. We want to be a church that grows in deeper relationship. We were talking about this here this morning. We don't want to just be the church that sits on the sidelines, that's not growing, that's not pushing ourselves. You know, the name of our church is Velocity Church. We've had people ask before, why is your church Velocity Church? Well, Velocity doesn't just mean that you're moving, but how many of you know Velocity, the, the, the actual definition of Velocity is moving in a given direction. We don't want to just move to move, but we want to move where the Spirit leads. We want to move every time the Spirit calls us to move. We don't want to stay stagnant. And, and, and that goes for us as a church and, and, and leadership of church going out and, and building and growing and, and, and growing Velocity Church. But it also, it's in our lives, in our spiritual walk, in our journey, in our faith, independently. We want to grow deeper. It's not about behavior modification. It's spiritual transformation. That's what we're talking about here this morning. So I don't want you to think, okay, today, you know, you're telling me how, honey, to change my behaviors. Well, what we're talking about is something that you can't really do within yourself in your own power. And that's what we're going to talk about here this morning. But it's about spiritual transformation. And one of the major keys for us to become more like Jesus this year is consistency. Consistency. I want you to remember that word here this morning. Consistency. How many of you know that consistency is underrated? It is underrated. I'm telling you right now. I can prove it to you. 
Do you have uh, maybe somewhere near your house that go-to gas station that you always stop at? Any of you have that? Like, when I know I need to fill up gas, there's always that gas station I can stop. How many of you have gone to that gas station when you pulled up, you saw the little yellow out-of-service sleeves on all the pumps? And you were like, what? They're out of, well, hold, hold up a second. They're out of service. What is this? Like, what crime has been committed? Okay, out of service. In that moment, guess what you really appreciate? But I think it's consistency, that that gas station will provide gas. Consistency is completely underrated, but I think it's absolutely key for us as we push forward in our growth with the Lord. And I want to share with you this story about a man in the Bible who demonstrated this consistency, this consistent faith. How many of you know about Daniel? Daniel in the, in the Bible. Do you know the story of Daniel? Daniel, the Bible talks about he was a man of high character. He was a man of high character, and because of his high character, he was actually being promoted in the kingdom of the day. And, and how many of you know that when people sometimes get promoted, sometimes other people like the haters show up, and they're like, nope, not going to let that happen. It's exactly what happened with Daniel. There were others that were angry, that were frustrated with seeing the success of Daniel. Daniel was a godly man. And, and so what do they do? They conspire and they plan and they, they scheme this plan to try to get Daniel to fall short. They first, it says that they're looking for any fault in him. And the Bible says they could find no fault in Daniel. And so they, they think of this idea. And I want you to really think about this idea. This is what they say we're going to do. Okay, we can't find any fault in Daniel, so what can we do? Let's get the king to sign this document saying that if anybody goes to any other god other than the king, right, then they are to be thrown in the lion's den. Is that wild? Okay, so they convince, listen, they convince this king to sign this document. Now, the king really liked Daniel. He signs this document, but see, these men knew that Daniel was a godly man. He was a praying man. And so I just want to pick up real quick. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, and this should be up on the screen as well. I want you to see what Daniel does when he finds out that this king has signed this document, that if he prays to his God, he's going to get thrown in the lion's den. Daniel 6.10 says this, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Didn't shut the, he didn't shut the curtains. He's like, no, windows open. Three times a day. Will you say that with me? Three, Three times a day. He got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. Here's the key just as he had done before. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed to his God just as he had done before. Meaning this, did Daniel wait for the lion's den to start praying? Did he wait for this season to start praying? Did he wait for the battle to start praying? No, he had this consistent pattern, right? I go to God in prayer. I seek him three times a day. How many of you think that you know, after a while, it wouldn't have been so convenient to pray three times a day. I mean, surely there were some days that Daniel was like, I'm just not feeling it today. But he was consistent in his faith. He had done this before. Daniel was consistent in his faith. And he didn't wait for the storm to show up. He didn't wait for the lion's den to show up to start praying. What ends up happening? Daniel trusts God in the lion's den, and he comes out of it not touched, not scratched, without one scratch, and God protects Daniel. Now, here's the deal. What taught Daniel that trust? It was his devotion with God. 
before the lion's den. See, what prepared Daniel for the lion's den was being on his knees daily in prayer with God. And what happens for so many of us, I think, in the world we live in, we're so busy, we got so many things, is when something bad happens or our, you know, fat gets in the fire and we're in trouble, ah, we're freaking out, we're running around, what are we going to do? It's time to go back to church, it's time to pray. But what if you decided ahead of time, no, I'm going to seek God, I'm going to choose to seek him before the battle shows up. I'm going to choose to devote myself to him. I'm going to choose to pray even when I don't feel like it. I'm going to choose to wake up a little bit earlier in the morning. I'm going to get in my Bible even when the kids woke me up at 3 a.m. I'm going to be devoted. I'm going to be consistent in my faith. I'm going to choose to seek God, and I'm going to be intentional about it in this year. One of the keys to becoming uh, more like Jesus Church is consistency. And being consistent in his word, being consistent in his growth. Now, here's the key, okay, in all of this. Do you think we do this by our own power and by our own grit? You won't. We can try to will it, but within your own determination, your own grit, and your own power, you can't do this. How many of you know it's impossible to change apart from the power of the Holy Spirit? If you don't have the Holy Spirit, it is impossible for you. Sure, you can make some changes, right? You, the, the world makes different t- types of changes. But spiritual transformation, change, the power of the Word of God, only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. So here's the question. Where do we get the power to truly change? And this is what I want us to do. I want us to turn, if you brought your Bibles, turn to 2 Peter. And we're going to be in chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen as well. Um, but a little bit of context about Second Peter, obviously written by Peter. There are some people that debate this. Now, I don't understand it because we're going to read here in just a moment. It opens up with Simeon, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Okay, so it's pretty clear that Peter is the author of Second Peter. Okay, um, it's written approximately you know, between 63, 67 AD, and this is during the time of the reign of the emperor Nero, a very evil man. Nero was so evil. As a matter of fact, during this time, what's kind of going on, there was a widespread fire that was going throughout the city of Rome that was destroying everything. And and what Nero decided to do is he decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use these Christians as scapegoats, essentially, and blame them for what's going on so that they can be persecuted. And that's what he does. He persecutes Christians in the most gruesome, brutal ways. I mean, if you study some of the execution tactics of Nero, you would, your mind would just go, I can't. I can't even fathom that. Wild. I mean, just wild stuff. But this is what's going on. And Peter's writing this letter. And this is nearing, it's approaching Peter's death. And that's what we're coming upon right here. And so... We'll kick it off in, um, in chapter 1, and we're going to learn this is where the power to change comes from. This is the key right here. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Notice he doesn't just call himself the apostle. I'm the apostle of Jesus, one of the picked. He, he calls himself the servant, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. I think if we're not careful, we can get so connected with our role and our title that we attach our identity to titles, but you're first a servant of Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, you're a servant. So you're not just a mechanic. 
You're not just a shift supervisor, right? Uh, you're not just a carpenter, right? Those, although those are, those are the roles we're in, you're a servant of Jesus as a follower of Jesus. We are all servants. And so Peter says, hey, look, I'm a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. And this is who he's writing to, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's writing to believers, all right, I love what he says to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing. Let me tell you why that's so powerful. Because the world we live in, is anything really equal? We live in such a divisive, divided world, right? Those are the bad guys. We're the good guys, right? Those are the people, you know, in the know, and those are the people that aren't, right? We're on the good side of things. They're on the wrong side of things, right? These are the people that sit uh, in, in coach, right? These people sit in front. Have you ever walked past the first class and you're just like, let me go shove my luggage in this thing that won't fit, all right? But our world is, is you know, and, and this is kind of how our, our world looks at things, right? It's, it's divided in these different classes, different divisions. But I love what Peter says. If anybody had the, the reason to say, I'm the varsity Christian, yeah. it would have been Peter, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm the Listen. Handpicked by Jesus Christ, he saw all the miracles. He saw all the healings. He saw the signs and the wonders. He watched the teachings of Jesus. He ate with Jesus, broke bread with Jesus. He sat across from Jesus. He looked our Lord and Savior in the eyes, face to face, had conversations. This is the same Peter who preaches up Pentecost when the Holy Spirit shows up and goes out, and the greatest force the world has ever seen, the church of Jesus Christ, is born. This is the Peter we're talking about. If anybody had a reason to say, varsity Christian, yeah. it's Peter. Yeah. But he doesn't. What does he say? We're equal. Equal standing. When you accept Jesus, what's that? This is the theological word justification, right? It's why I'm in right standing with God. It's his righteousness. When I accept the free gift that Christ has given me, it's his righteousness that I'm saved, Right? So whether you accept Jesus yesterday or you've been a faithful Christian, a faithful follower for the last 50 years, equal standing. God doesn't play favorites with his kids. He doesn't play favorites with his kids. And that's good news. It's powerful coming from the Apostle Peter. He goes on, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. How many of you in this year, you're going to need some grace? Need some grace. How many of you need some peace? Okay. We got 2024. How many of you, you know, they say inflation's what, like 8%, but at the grocery store, it feels like 200. Okay. Uh, this is an election year, right? We're going to need grace. We're going to need to give grace. All right. Give grace and peace. Whenever there's an election year, sides get divisive. And what the church has to be careful is that they're not viewing things through a political lens. We don't view the word through the lens of our politics. We view politics through the lens of God's word. And this is to be preached. Grace goes out. You and I are called to give grace. Guess what that means? That means we're called to give grace to people who don't think like us. Woo! going to go there? We're called to give grace to those who don't 
vote like us. All right? If it wasn't for Jesus, where would you and I be? Thank God for his grace on us. You and I now have the ability to give grace to others. And that's how we become more like Jesus. Grace and peace. I've received grace, so I'm going to give grace. And God gives me peace. Here's the key right here in verse 3. I love this. His divine power. Whose divine power, church? His divine power. Here's where the power comes to change. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. I'm going to tell you right now, there's, there's enough in that one verse to last us the entire year. I'm serious. If you can just get this right here, this will take you through 2024 right here. Where does the power come from? This is the focus. The only way you and I can change is by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. The power of the Holy Spirit working in us, who has granted to us all things that pertain to life. How many know that's the goal? All things that pertains to life. And he says, through the knowledge of him. And so here's the key right here. The key to life is what? It's knowing God by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can only truly know him by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's his power that's working in us and it's working through us. How many of you, you have a, a corded leaf blower still? You're like, no, we've moved on to electric. Have you ever used a corded leaf blower? I was actually talking to a guy at work about this the other day. Yeah, and he said, he's like, I plugged it into the garage and then uh, he's like, but I kept going out, and I, I didn't know it was going on. I kept shutting off. And, and he was like, my kid was in there pl- unplugging and plugging it back in. <laughs> it's like, oh, my gosh, that's what's happening, right? What happened to the – but I started thinking about it a little bit, and it's like that's kind of how it is for us, the Christian life. It's like you and I have this power, and it's the Holy Spirit living in us. But if it's, if it's not turned on, if it's not plugged in, it's not effective. Now, here's the truth. When you accept Christ, when you accept Jesus – you always have the leaf blower. You always have the power and it's plugged in. You and I just forget. We just are prone to forget. This is where the power to change comes from. If you try to, you know, people are trying to do this all over the world. They're trying to just self-will it, you know, determination. I'm just going to grind it out. And that'll take you somewhere. But if you really want to change and you really want the spiritual transformation, if you want to become more like Jesus, it is by his power working in you. You and I have to learn to live with this awareness that I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I, live, I choose to live my life led by the Holy Spirit. Now, whenever people hear the word Holy Spirit, here's what happens. There's two different camps. We talk about this at church all the time. There's one side on the Holy Spirit where it's like, they're way over here, and, you know, they freak everybody out because everything is hyper-spiritualized, everything. It's always Satan who does it. It's never, you know, you being late to work. It was the devil that did it, right? It's all just, you know, everything, and it just, you know, can get wild. And then over here on this side, it's like, yeah, we're just going to cut the Holy Spirit completely out of everything, right? And God, in the Word, becomes a history report, it's like, 
We're going we're gonna, to, you know, we're going to learn about him. We're going to, you know, and, and we're the ones, you know, with the knowledge, with the intellect, right? We're going to know God, but they cut off the power source. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Where are we called to be? We're called to be right here, right? We seek authentic encounters with God, the Holy Spirit. He's still at work. He's still working in us. He's still working through us. And it's only through his power that, guess what? That the church can go out and be effective. Not effective without the Holy Spirit. We can learn a lot. We can gain some knowledge. You know, we can, you know, let's get in the Bible. Let's, let's, let's read. Let's understand the context of this and that and make sure that we've got every, you know, I dotted and T crossed by the end of the day. Like, if you're not living empowered by the Spirit of God, that's not the driving force going out. It's nothing more than a history lesson, right? And so we're called to live. God, we seek you. We seek your spirit, Lord. We're not way over here where we, you know, we just throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're not way over here. We're not way over there. We seek you, God. We want you to speak to us. And we want to live intentionally led by your spirit. To become more like Jesus, you and I have to live empowered by the Holy Spirit. And you know who modeled that perfectly? Jesus. Remember when he's baptized, the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove and his ministry kicks off. He's actually immediately sent out into the wilderness. He's tempted, right? But, but what is it? It's the Holy Spirit that descends upon Jesus and Jesus models for us what spirit-filled living looks like. He lives it out perfectly. So we have to carry that intentionally. It goes on he says, by which he has granted us his uh, precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. That's so awesome, right? We get to share in his nature. Wow. That's incredible. We get to become more like Jesus. Do you hear this consistent pattern here? We get to share in his nature. I'm running out of time. I got to, whew, come on. We're going to keep going, all right? They're, they're going to wait out there. It's going to be okay. We're going to push it a little bit. Verse 5, for this very reason... For what very reason? This very reason. Meaning, in light of this fact, in light of this reality, that you are empowered by God's Spirit, in light of knowing where the power comes from, for this reason, make every effort. Now who's he talking to? Us. So God has a role, and then we have a role. It's on us to make every effort to do what? To supplement your faith with virtue. Another translation says goodness. And virtue with knowledge, to grow in knowledge, to be in the Word right? Uh, in knowledge with self-control, we're doing this with 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church right now, with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, and godliness, brother, brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. That's what he says in verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ meaning that you can have all the knowledge and be unfruitful. You can be ineffective with all the knowledge. It's one thing to know, but it's another to live it out, right? And we start living this out, and we get the power from who? It's from him. That's where we get the power to change. Unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to I want to close with this. I've got these steps, you know, that I felt God was, God was leading me in this to just write this down and just put it up on the screen because these are practical takeaways. And I want you to have some things you say, you know, what, what do I take away from this? Number one, you need to know this, that if I'm going to become more like Jesus, 
I need to devote myself to consistency, to being in his word, to, to being in his presence, to making space for the Holy Spirit. Create space in your personal time for God's presence. Consistency is key. Don't wait for a feeling, just do it. If we wait for feelings, guess what? We're going to be waiting a long time. I don't really feel like doing it today. Well, you probably aren't going to feel like doing it tomorrow either, right? Sometimes you just have to do it. You just have to do it. Next one, read your Bible daily. Just challenge yourself. I think sometimes we overestimate uh, what we can do in one day and we underestimate what we can do in one year, right? Not to read the entire Bible. I'm going to knock it all out in one month. Just start chewing on God's word. Start meditating on his word. Reading his word. Let that transformation begin to take place. These are practical things that we can start doing like now. We can put these steps in our lives. Read your Bible daily. Here's another one. This can be challenging. I just had baby number four. I'm the first one to tell you right now. (laughs) Find a quiet place and pray. Sometimes it's hard to find a quiet place, but you got to do it, right? You have to have that devotion time got to find a quiet place and pray. Part of praying is what? It's listening for God's voice. It's not just speak, 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 do it, God, and then move on. It's like, hold on, talk to God. He wants to hear from you. You know, we're his children, right? He wants to hear from his children. So we speak to God, and then we give time to just sit back and just to listen for him to speak to us. You learn the voice of God when you learn the language of God. All these work together. You learn God's word. You learn his language. You can discern God's voice. So we speak to God. We listen for his voice. He's not looking for perfection. He just wants his kids to talk to him. Just talk to him. Just talk. You know, I don't have to be in eloquence. Let me say the, you know, Lord Jesus, you know, I command thee in the name above. Like, just Come to God. Hey, Lord, I just want to talk to you today. I'm about to go to this job interview. I'm praying that you're with me during this time. I ask that you would calm my nerves. Just talk to God. Just talk to him. Just begin to talk to him. Create time for family devotion with our kids, with our spouse, right? Praying together. And sometimes this can be even hard. This is hard too, right? Everybody's got things going on. We're all busy. We're going here, going there. But taking the time to just say, you know what? We're going we're gonna to gather together, and as a family, we're going to pray. Maybe it's just like before bed at night, right? Say, so let's take some time to just pray together, uh, to pray with our kids, you know, and just have that time together. Pray with our spouse and say, you know what, before, before we go to sleep tonight, let's just pray together. Let's just pray that tomorrow's a, a great day. Let's pray for whatever it is, whatever season we're going through, the Lord is with us in this time. And just talk to God together. And that's, that's an incredible way to build your faith. The next one, be intentional on allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you and through you. What I mean by being intentional about this, we can, we can make the Holy Spirit seem so abstract that he's, you know, we don't involve him as being a part of our lives, <laughs> you know? It's like being intentional about, hey, God could work in me and use me at any given moment. He could, the Holy Spirit could lead you to do something at any given moment. And so carrying that awareness. And then lastly, I put in here another step you can take in the church, within the church, Right? is join a serve team, get involved, get plugged in, say, how can I help? How can I take this step in, in helping in the body of Christ and being a part on, on you know, at our weekly gatherings? You can join a serve team, maybe the greet team, you know, to be something you'd like to join, the media team, our kids team, set up and tear down, man, I feel like everybody has joined that team. <laughs> the worship team, maybe you have a gifting in worship, maybe you, you, um, God's leading you in that, maybe you can play an instrument of some sort. 
Hospitality and just welcoming people, helping with the coffee bar, different things, but taking a step to say, how can I get involved? How can I get plugged in? So these are some steps that we can practically take away from this. But the main driver is this, and this is how I want to close today, is we can't do it without the Holy Spirit. We can't change without the Holy Spirit. We might have all sorts of visions and dreams and hopes and wherever we're going in this year, but it's going to be the Spirit of God that leads us, that pushes us, and us becoming more and more like Him. So I want to pray, church, today, and we're going to get ready to close out. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to pray for our church that as we, uh, you know, it's first Sunday of a new year, I want to pray over this body here today. Um, maybe you're here today and you're like, I need, I need this change in my life. I, I know there's some, some, there's some things that I can't do within myself. I can't do within my own power. And I need the Holy Spirit to work in me and to work through me to accomplish this. I want to pray for you today, whatever it is that you've got going on in your life. If there's any anxiety that you're carrying, man, I pray that uh, you would be freed from that here this morning. So, Father God, I lift up your church here today, Lord. So grateful, so thankful for your body of believers here. And Lord, I pray that uh, we would know that where our power comes from, that ultimately it comes from you. You are our source, Jesus. And so as we, Lord, as we move on uh, to tomorrow, to Monday, to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and so on throughout the rest of this year, God, I pray that we would remember where our power comes from. It's through you, Jesus. Pray that you would, that your people would know, Lord, that you're with them, that you never leave us, you never forsake us, Father. But you're always with us, you're always near. No matter the season that we're going through, no matter the difficulty, no matter the hardships, the challenges that we're facing, the anxiety that's been just bearing on our backs or whatever it is, God, we know that you are a good God who has good plans for his kids. And we praise you, we thank you for that, Jesus. I thank you that we remember our source, Lord. We remember we're connected as followers of Jesus. We are connected to the source, the greatest source in you. If you're here today and maybe you need to accept Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity. Uh, what does it mean to accept Christ? It's, it's very simple. Say, you know, the first step I need to take is I just need to accept him as my Lord and Savior. And maybe that's the first step for you today. Maybe that's the step you need to take is to say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. That's my first step. I accept you, Lord. If that's you today, I'm going to pray a prayer right now. The, the whole church, heads bowed, eyes closed. Church, would you pray this with me? And you included. There's nothing magical about the prayer. It's a heart posture. I believe that if you pray this prayer, you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Heaven is your home. New creation. New creation. So let's pray this out loud together, church family. Say, Lord Jesus. I know I've sinned. I know I've fallen short. But Jesus, today is a new day. I repent of my sins. I turn from my old ways. And I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. I give you my life. I give you my heart. Make me a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. To stay connected, visit us online at velocityburnham.org and follow us on Instagram. And if you're ever in the Burnham area, we'd love to have you visit us on a weekend. Thanks again, and we hope to see you soon.